reading eight verses of scripture of the book of Isaiah. I also want to ask you uh, to be in prayer for Bob and Faye Woodley. Uh, many of you know Bob and Faye. They, were, they are charter members uh, of Freedom Point. They had to move to Somerset a few years ago. Uh, and uh, Bob has been very sick, and he was sent home. I was able to visit with him on Monday in the hospital, and he was sent home on hospice um, this weekend. So remember Faye especially, and Martin, uh, and Darla, and all of the family. Uh, let's just remember them, and we'll keep you uh, posted in the days to come. So remember that family in prayer. Book of Isaiah, chapter 6. I'm going to be reading eight verses, beginning with verse 1 out of the NIV translation. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two wings, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. I want to preach to you this morning for a few moments a message I've simply titled, Proof of His Presence proof of his presence. We've been talking about true worship for five weeks, and then last week we paused and did something different for Friends and Family Day, but today I want to talk about the proof of his presence. If you will, one more time, pray with me and for me. Father, thank you again for your presence. Now we thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, for the next few moments that you would remove every distraction that would hinder us from hearing and receiving what it is that you would speak to us today. I pray, Lord, you would anoint my lips that I wouldn't speak my words, but that I would speak your word today and that it would come forth in the demonstration of power uh, by your spirit. And Lord, I pray today that you would anoint every ear under the sound of my voice in this room and those watching online, Lord, to hear and receive what the word of the Lord is speaking to us today. Lord, ultimately, let us leave differently than we came because we have been in your presence and changed by your word. We'll give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in advance. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated this morning. Um, Y'all help me preach today. It'll go quicker that way, all right? I like guarantees. Is there anybody else with me that likes a good guarantee? I want a financial plan that will guarantee returns uh, without any risk of loss, right? There's not many of those out there. I want a diet that will guarantee weight loss. Can I get a witness this morning? I want an exercise program that will guarantee results. And if I'm sick, I want a doctor that will guarantee healing, don't you? But the thing is, those guarantees are really difficult 
to find. In life, guarantees are preferred, but they're really hard to find. There's so many promises in this life that are made that are not fulfilled, they're not kept, and so guarantees become rare these days. But I want to tell you this morning about one guarantee that you can take to the bank. There's no doubt about it that this promise is never not fulfilled. Uh, and it's probably going to challenge, particularly those of us that maybe have a traditional Pentecostal mindset, it may challenge the way you see this passage of Scripture or you even view the way that you experience church, if you will. It's found in the book of Matthew, chapter 18 and verse 20. And in the NIV, it reads this way. For where two, this is Jesus speaking, where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. That's what the word said. His presence, according to this scripture, is guaranteed. There's a lot more than two or three people that have gathered together here this morning. So his presence is guaranteed. We cannot escape it. We can expect it. We can rest in it, if you will. God will be here when we meet. That's a guarantee. And you may think, well, you know, it's, it, that's, that's open to opinion. Let me go on. That guarantee means that there is not one single time that we gather together, whether here or anywhere else, under the name of Jesus, that we only have the potential or the possibility of encountering God. We don't gather hoping that God will be here. Will some, are y'all there? We don't have to, I've heard this before. We don't have to get up and pray for him to show up. We don't have to necessarily uh, get up and, and plead for his presence to come into the ser service because the word says when we gather together in his name, he is in the midst of us. We don't have to be afraid that he'll do what some others might have decided to do after a big week like last week, and they'll take a break and stay home. We don't have to worry that God's going to do that. We can rest in the fact that when we gather together, we have an opportunity to encounter God. In fact, if we don't experience him or we don't recognize his presence, then I submit to you the problem is not with him. It's with us. We become distracted or perhaps maybe even disinterested or we get it in our minds that this is something that we just do once a week, it makes us feel better about ourselves and it makes our week go better. So that's what it is. And we, we are uh, distracted and we're just going through a ritual and a routine and we simply many times miss his presence. Listen, don't think that that cannot happen. In John chapter 1 verses 10 and 11, in the NIV, the word tells us, watch this, he was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world didn't even recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. So an encounter takes place whether or not we receive him, but many times, many times we miss it. Folks miss that encounter with Jesus. 
this scenario is often repeated Sunday after Sunday after Sunday in many people's lives. You see, in Scripture, an encounter with God's presence caused the shepherds, the Word said, to fall down on their faces. And yet, what those very shepherds fell down to will sleep through or sit through. Or scroll through. Can anybody help me preach this morning? Unless Jesus is talking to you on that, you can put that thing away right now. Oh, y'all didn't like that, did you? His guaranteed presence shows up, and we miss him many times. And what produced awe and reverence in, uh, in them seems to only produce disinterest and yawns from us, which forces me to ask the question this morning, has his glory diminished or has our awe and our reverence of him diminished? We sung a song last week, So in Awe, and I've heard so many people talking about that song all week long. We should be so in awe of the presence of God every single time we gather in his presence. So as you spend time here today for just the next few minutes, I don't have a long message today. With way more than two or three people, realize that his presence is here. It's guaranteed. The real challenge is how we respond to it. As I read through this book, what I discover is that there are detailed accounts of encounter after encounter with God and how people responded to it. From Adam, we read about his encounter, to Abraham, we read about his encounter, to Moses at the burning bush, we read about that encounter, to David in the face of a, of a giant, everybody's read about that encounter or heard about it in Sunday school, to disciples who were in a boat mending their nets and, and their encounter, and to a rich young ruler who was challenged to leave everything that he had and follow Jesus, we read about that encounter. The Bible again and again, and I could go on and on, is revelation after revelation of the result of these encounters that people had. So since the guarantee is that he is here this morning, my question then becomes, what will you do? What is the appropriate response to his presence? I pose this question because I think too often, far too often, specifically in the Pentecostal church, the results that we seek from an encounter with God are too shallow and they're limited to the wrong thing. Boy, y'all are quiet up in this Presbyterian church this morning. We want a result that is short-lived, right? We want a move of God that causes us to brag about what a great service we had. We want a move of God that we'll think about and ponder on for a few days. But the problem with that is, is that most of the encounters with God that I read about in this book were life-changing in nature. See, we're, some of y'all looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about, so let me just explain to you. Maybe you've not been in Pentecost a long time. I have. I've been in it a long time. And I remember... One, at one time when 
there was a particular revival going on, and, and uh, a lady that we knew well uh, and loved dearly uh, was able to attend that revival. It was at her church, and Angie and I couldn't attend. We had other things going on. And so on Saturday night, they had a high-energy Pentecostal singer. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I emphasize high-energy Pentecostal singer. Nothing wrong with that. That's fine. Not a thing in the world wrong with that. Uh, and then on Sunday morning, they had a speaker, a lady who was speaking that I would have loved to have heard her message and what she delivered, but we had responsibilities and we had to be uh, at our church. We weren't pastoring, but we were on staff at a church then. And so we were having this conversation and she told me all about how Saturday night went. Oh, it was wonderful. Oh, we shouted the house down. Oh, we, people ran the aisles. Oh, the power of God, it was so strong and just on and on and on. And oh, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. And so I let her talk and I was I said, that's great. What about Sunday morning? What did she preach on? I want to know about that. You know what her answer was? Seriously, if I'm lying, I'm dying. She said, I don't know. I was so depressed I couldn't get out of the bed. Are you with me this morning? A real, you hear me well. I know it may not be popular to preach this way in Pentecostal churches, but a real, genuine encounter with the power and the presence of God will alter your life. It will alter your life. And if we're guaranteed to have an encounter with God, then that encounter should alter us, and it should shake us. Uh, it should make us unable to return to life as normal, even if it's rejected. We read about that in Scripture. The encounter still changes everything. It should disrupt and dismantle our lives to the point that the result is that we are different after that encounter. Listen, I want us as a church, to encounter God in a different and maybe perhaps a much more biblically accurate way. Are you with me this morning? We long for encounters that put us together. But what about encounters that tear us apart? Will somebody help me preach? Encounter God so that he takes us apart and puts us back together in his image. And in order for that to happen, we got to approach God with a different posture. We have to approach him with a different attitude. We have to approach him with a different expectation. we got to encounter him in such a way that results that a genuine encounter of God will produce guaranteed results in our lives. His guaranteed presence is guaranteed to produce results. And that's what I want us to look at today. What results are here? We're just going to go back through this scripture, and it'll be the last scripture I share. What, our main text, what are the results that are indicated here that, uh, that we have actually encountered God and not just simply had a good Sunday or a powerful worship service? Here they are. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each had six wings. This is an encounter. With two wings they covered their face, two they covered their feet, and two they flew. And they were calling to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Watch this. Here's the results. Verse 5, Isaiah said, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth. 
I said, I'm a man of unclean lips. He touched my mouth, and he said, see, this has touched your lips, and your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. But it didn't stop there. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. Notice that Isaiah's encounter with God ruined him. That's what he said. Today, many of us would say it wrecked us. Can I get a witness? That encounter with God wrecked him. It disrupted life as he knew it. But it also reveals three specific things that took place because of this moment with God. The first thing is, and now I know you're going to get quiet on me. So those of you that will help me preach, somebody help me. The first encounter, result of a real encounter with Jesus is holiness. If we have a genuine encounter with God, then the very first result will be that we recognize God's holiness and our lack thereof. Isaiah sees the angel circling God and declaring that God is holy. And one man said that the primary characteristic of God is holiness. And when we have a genuine encounter with God, we are confronted with his holiness and our unholiness. When we have a genuine encounter with God, position no longer matters. Posturing for attention is forgotten. Grandstanding is tossed aside. And this happens because we realize when we get in the presence of God, we realize that He alone is worthy. He alone is holy. He alone is God. See, too many times we praise other things besides God. There's none of us that are holy. There's none of us that, well, some of y'all didn't like that either. There's none of us that are without sin. Let me put it that way. There's none of us that are perfect. There's none of us that deserve worship. But we serve a God who is holy. He's perfect and he's worthy of our praise. And too often we want to encounter God for his works. Mm -hmm. We're guilty of this in the Pentecostal church too. What he can do for us. But we need to encounter God for his holiness because when we gather in an attempt to gain things of our own, anybody ever known somebody that said, I'm going to go get my blessing? And that's fine. I mean, come to church and get a blessing, but come to church and be a blessing. Somebody say amen. But when we come just looking for what God can do for us, we ought to also come face to face with his holiness. Because if we don't, then asking for grace becomes a demand, and it cheapens it. We feel like he owes it to us. But many times people will come to get whatever it is they need, and maybe even healing is received, but no real gratitude accompanies it. I'm reminded of the story of the ten lepers. And there was nine of them that didn't even return to thank him. Nine of them that didn't even really fully understand who they had an encounter with. Are you with me this morning? 
Too many times, I'm afraid, people come into the house of God and maybe they do have an encounter with Him. Maybe they do have an experience with Him, but they don't fully understand or embrace that encounter. They don't fully understand what it's all about. And then they go back out. And when they go back out and they've never had an understanding of what that encounter was about, their life returns to the way it was before. I'm reminded this morning of a family that I know, that I love, that I'm still praying for, that in the time of trouble came to this church. In the time of near death came to this church, prayed, asked God to save. Somebody was on uh, life support and about to die. God answered that prayer. God raised them up miraculously. I mean miraculously. But you don't know them this morning. And they're not here. Because when they got what they asked God for, they went back out and forgot to recognize where it came from. Folks, that's a dangerous way to live this life. Nine of them, nine of the lepers did not return to thank him. There was only one that returned to give him thanks. Many times people will receive provision and the source that they got it from is quickly forgotten. Mm-hmm. Oh, I could preach a whole message on tithes, but y'all don't want to hear that, do you? He is Jehovah Jireh. He will be your provider. But this book gives you a conditional promise. Are you with me this morning? Oh, I hit a nerve, but i got to stay there. This book gives you a conditional promise about your finances. If you want to be blessed, there's people in this room that can tell you and testify with me, you can be blessed. But you got to meet the conditions of God's Word. God's Word says, bring the tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord, and see if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you don't have enough room to receive it. I want to tell you, you can be a recipient of the blessing, but you got to meet the condition of the promise. Can I get an amen this morning? Provision is found and the source is quickly forgotten. But when we see God high and lifted up in the way that we should, when we see him as Lord, when we see him as king, when we see him as holy, we are undone. We ought to be filled with thankfulness that we're even permitted to be in the same zip code as God because he's so holy and so worthy. And since holiness is his primary trait, holiness should also be the primary characteristic of the church. Holiness, I'm not talking about outward appearance, the length of your hair, the length of your skirts, whether you wear makeup, whether you, wear, whether you shave, all that good stuff. I wouldn't be holy in some places. You wouldn't be holy in some places. But holiness is not any of that. Holiness is a condition of your heart. And it ought to be the primary characteristic of the church. One of the core values of Freedom Point Church, and I'm going to move on, is pleasing God over pleasing man. And that core value is defined as our goal is not to make the church happy, but to make it holy. Because when the church is holy, God is happy. And too often when we encounter God, we want to encounter his power, but we dismiss his holiness. Pastor, does an encounter with God bring power? You better believe it does. I said, you better believe it does. But an encounter with God not just brings power, it'll also produce purity in your life. His holiness is also important because His holiness is what produces the next guaranteed result. 
from a genuine encounter with God, and that is humility. Not many people talk about this anymore, but Isaiah says, woe is me. In an encounter with God, pretense is forgotten. Pedigree is forgotten. Think, about, think back about the encounters throughout Scripture. And you see that Adam encounters God's presence, and what does he do? He hides. Moses uh, encounters God's presence, and he discounts his entire training in the best institutional, uh, educational institutions of Egypt. And he says, I'm a nobody. Gideon, faced with an encounter, says, I'm the least of my tribe. Do you see the similarity here? The psalmist, in light of God's holiness, said, I am a worm and no man. Paul, who was a, actually Saul, who was a highly educated and accomplished man, after a genuine encounter with God, he lays his degrees and everything else aside and he says, I am the chiefest of sinners. The simple truth that we need to hear is that a genuine encounter with God will destroy pride. It will cause us to embrace humility. We'll place ourselves regardless of our education Regardless of the number of years we've been in the church, regardless of what our last name is or who our granddaddy or grandmama is, say amen somebody. Regardless of what our gifting is, because we, we, we're all gifted in different ways, but regardless of all of those things, it will place us all on equal footing and on equal ground with those around us. Listen, we might be the most gifted and anointed person in the room. Maybe, maybe you are. But in the presence of God, our response will be, woe is me, when we get in his presence. Too many of us, particularly in Pentecost, too many of us have an encounter with God, and then we strut around acting like God was blessed to encounter us. Mm -hmm. This is not real popular, but I'm going to say it anyway. I don't need somebody to carry my stuff. I can carry my own stuff. I don't need somebody to fan me while I preach. I can fan myself or I can sweat. Can I get a witness? I don't need somebody to dab the sweat off my forehead. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? We have an encounter with God and then all of a sudden we act like God's blessed to encounter us. As if God would even be slightly impressed by my preaching or even slightly impressed by anything that I would do. No, it's not about me. It's not about you. And did you know one of the things that God hates is pride? Somebody said, no, wait a minute, Pastor. God, you know, we're, we're in this modern age church. God is love. God doesn't hate anything. Well, the writer of the book of Proverbs said there are six things that God hates. And that's the word he used. And there's a seventh one that's an abomination to him. And the first one that it said he hated was a proud look. That's pride. Pride is one of the things that God hates. But a genuine encounter with God won't produce. You hear me when I say this. I said it at 845, so I'm going to give it to you too. It will not produce a believer or a body of believers that feels like they are better than other people. Believers or bodies of believers. Are you with me? That's pride. God wants us to be 
humble and, and exhibit humility in our life. A true encounter with God won't produce ranking or comparison. It will instead produce humility. There's one final result of a genuine encounter with God, and that's the result of an encounter. We have holiness, we have humility, and the result of a true encounter with God is help. I want you to notice Isaiah's immediate response to this encounter with God. His immediate response was, Here am I. Send me. No hesitation. No begging. He didn't have to make 47 announcements that we need volunteers in kids' church. No prodding. No pressure. Just an understanding that this encounter with God has produced within me a sincere desire to help. It was not an encounter that only impacted him. Are you with me? It was not an encounter that was only used up on him. Instead, a real encounter with God made him aware of the need to reach out and serve others. How many times have you encountered God in a worship service and it ended with you? You felt like, praise the Lord, I got what I needed. And that's where it ended. How many times have you encountered God in a prayer meeting? Or maybe praying at home. I hope you pray at home. But that encounter ended with you. A true encounter with God will result in you saying to God, Here am I. Send me. Let me, let me use another word. Here am I. Use me, Lord. A willingness to be used, a willingness to serve, a willingness to become a bridge between death and a life-giving, life-changing encounter with God. And listen to your pastor this morning. If we are going to say that we are encountering God in here, then the proof of that declaration is whether or not we are willing to take this experience out those doors and reach those who also need an encounter with God. A real encounter with God will result in reach. And I'm so thankful. I'm thankful as a pastor that I can see the proof of his presence here. You did just that last week. Last week in two services, there were 584 people that poured into here to worship Jesus with us. And I say this, I'm, I'm, I'm done. They can go ahead and come to the music. We are just 40 weeks into this year, as of today. 40 weeks into this year. And these are not numbers to brag about. This is the proof of his presence. 40 weeks into this year, we have seen 42 people accept Jesus as their Savior. Only 40 weeks into the year, and we've seen 50 people rededicate their life to Him. Woo, I feel the Lord saying that. 40 weeks into the year, we've seen 38 people baptized in water. We've seen 21 people filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to see that number go up. I said, I want to see that number go up. And 40 weeks into the year, we've seen God set in 99 new members into this local church. 
But those are not numbers to brag about. That's the life-changing encounters with God. That's what those numbers are. That's the proof of His presence. And you hear me this morning. We can't stop now. I said, we can't stop now. I'm going to be transparent with you as your pastor. I have, 10 years into this thing, I'm a, if you know anything about me, you probably can tell, I am task-driven. I focus on a task. I see people shaking their heads. Yep, I could tell that. I'm task-driven. I focus on a task. And then when that big task is done, I like to sit down and catch my breath. And that's just kind of the routine of my life. And I prayed and, and sought God and all those things for Friends and Family Day. And we saw God do wonderful results. And I got up Monday morning. I thought, okay, I can take a breath. We got a couple months till Christmas. Start planning and preparing for that. And I was praying. And God said, don't take a break. I heard him. I heard his voice. God said, don't take a break. I'm sending more. I'm sending more. I said, okay, God. That's not me talking. I heard the voice of the Lord say that. Folks, when you pastor a church that has as many new converts as this church, it's a wonderful thing. But we don't have time to get sidetracked. We don't have time to get weary. We don't have time to sit back. If you can tell anything from the book of Revelation and you turned your TV on at all yesterday, surely you can tell you better be looking up. And for those of you that got tore up from the floor up over that stupid little sound that we all got at 2.20 last Friday, those of you that got tore up from the floor up over that sound, you better be listening for the sound of the trumpet because it's not going to be very long. I heard all the craziest things about that, by the way. Did y'all? I mean, people really thought, I thought, do Christian people really think they're going to get teleported out if they hear that sound? What on earth? As my father-in-law would say, crazy as a run-over dog. People got tore up about that sound. But I'm afraid they're not listening for the trumpet. I'm afraid they're not watching the signs closely. And they're not realizing it could be any day. It could be any time. And let me throw this out there just in case you're new and you haven't read your Bible very much. If you're Christian, you will stand with Israel regardless of what anybody else says. My point is this, and you can stand with me all over the room. I want us to encounter God not only last week, not only today, but every single time we gather. In fact, God's presence is guaranteed. It's in this room right now. So we can rest assured that that encounter can happen. But the results of that encounter are determined by how we, we respond to His presence. The proof of His presence 
will not be if we leave here saying, man, you should have been at Freedom Point Church this Sunday. And this was not one of those kinds of messages, and I know that. I didn't preach a message today that left you jumping and shouting and all of those things. But the proof of God's presence will not be whether you can leave and talk about what an awesome service. The proof of God's presence will be determined by whether or not we're holy. Whether or not we're humble. And whether or not we're willing and ready to help and to serve wherever God needs us. Who else do you know that needs to encounter Jesus in a life-changing way? Very quickly, and this is my closing. Moses encountered God at the burning bush. That encounter set into motion the events that led the exodus from Egypt. A constant reminder of the proof of God's presence. Jacob had a dream in which he wrestled with God. You ought to read about it. He was running from God at the time. But that encounter, that encounter left him with a limp. A constant forever reminder on that night he had a real encounter with God. Joseph had dreams in which he encountered God. And those encounters absolutely altered the course of his destiny. Can I tell you this morning, the enemy might have a plan for your life, but one encounter with God can change your destiny forever. And where God took Joseph... From the pit to the palace was a constant reminder of the proof of God's presence in his life. We've already talked about it. Saul had an encounter with God on the road to Damascus. And that encounter with God was so powerful that it changed every aspect of his life, including his name. His name was changed from Saul to Paul. And the life and the ministry of the Apostle Paul after that day served as a constant reminder of the proof of God's presence in his life. I said all that to say this. What about you today? Is the proof of his presence evident in your life? Maybe you need to encounter him today in a fresh way. Maybe you've never really encountered him before. With every head bowed and every eye closed all over this room, I want to ask you this morning with nobody looking around, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I've never really fully surrendered my life to Jesus. I've never really had that, that kind of encounter with God that I completely surrendered everything to Him. If that's you this morning, nobody's looking around, would you just slip your hand up and put it back down just so I can see your hand and pray for you? If that's you this morning. Anybody in this room, I've never fully surrendered my life to Jesus. Yes, I see one hand. Anybody else? I've never fully surrendered my life to Jesus. I've never had that encounter. Yes, I see that hand. Thank you. Anybody else? I want to tell you this morning, there's a room full of people right here, right now, that will testify with me to you. That encounter with Jesus is just simply one decision. One decision away from that encounter with Jesus. And Jesus Christ will be the best decision you'll ever make in your life. But it's your choice. It's what you do with that encounter. Maybe you know somebody. Maybe there's somebody on your heart that needs to encounter Jesus for themselves. He's here. I said he's here this morning. That's guaranteed. And what you do with him is up to you. And I pray that we do with it what produces the proof of his presence in our church and in our lives. 
So they're going to sing and we're going to open this altar. And if you lifted your hand, if you were one of those two, I want to challenge you. Step out from where you are. Find a place in this altar with the others that come to pray. Surrender your heart and life to Jesus. It's as simple as your ABCs. Admit, A, you're a sinner in need of a Savior. B, believe Jesus was the Son of God, that He died on the cross for your sins, and He rose again on the third day. Ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to wash your sins in the blood He shed on the cross of Calvary. And C, confess. The Bible said if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. It's that simple. Step out from where you are and make that decision today. But maybe you need a fresh encounter with God or maybe you need to make a commitment to God and say God I want to make every encounter in your presence count and I want the proof of your presence to be exhibited in my life